0: Welcome to the Ag Future podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Dr. Carl Dawson is the Vice President and Chief Scientific Officer at Alltech and directs activities at the company's bioscience centers around the world, including Alltech Center for Animal Nutrigenomics and Applied Animal Nutrition, where he is the co director. We thank you for joining us. Thank you. The gene editing technology CRISPR allows researchers to quickly change the DNA of nearly any organism, including humans. Would it be fair to say that the implications are pretty enormous?
1: Yeah, CRISPR is going to change the way we think about uh, uh, breeding processes, the way we think about changing the genetics of livestock, uh, plants. Uh, even microorganisms will be changed using this type of technology. Uh, In terms of the way it will move forward, it has ramifications for just about anything we think about in terms of the overall breeding process and the way we think about using genetics and the genetic material that's in an animal, plant, or other organism. And how does this differ from gene modification? Well, CRISPR could be considered a a form of gene modification. It is different in that it is a very precise tool where we can go in and pick out very specific sites on this long DNA molecule and we can put things in or take things out of it. Uh, It is a form of editing or changing a gene structure and it can be used to not only... Uh, delete specific genes or or pieces of DNA it can also be used to add in pieces of, of DNA so we can make genetic modifications that way uh, the difference is that we don't necessarily have to use a transgenic approach which means we're not taking material from other organisms and putting it into a new organism we're not changing or bringing two types of, of DNA together, if you'd like.
0: So what are the implications for agriculture for
1: food? Well, for food, it is a very fast way of changing and very specifically changing specific genetic pieces or Genetic information. Uh, if you take, for example, uh, some of the things that are being done, uh, one of the examples we look at is, is the polled cattle. Uh, cattle or, or calves are very oftentimes dehorned uh, when they're young. Dairy cattle are dehorned. Uh, that is a process that uh, is, is rather uncomfortable for the animal and it's something that uh, is very difficult to do, but it is very important because it changes the safety of handling that livestock. Uh, there has been a, a approach used to actually change that in livestock now traditional breeding you can actually cross a hornless animal a polled animal with a, a dairy cow and actually produce a hornless animal but when you do that the productivity of that dairy animal changes considerably because lots of other things change when you do that genetic cross The idea of CRISPR, we can actually go in and take the very specific gene that's associated with that horn formation and eliminate that gene or pull that gene. And when we do that, we are doing it almost immediately. The difference is, is if I bred that animal or did that through traditional crossbreeding, it would probably take 25 years to produce a high-producing dairy cow with that pulled uh, characteristic. In this case, we can do it within calves immediately. No time changed. The next generation of animals would have that specific wow. gene. So, pretty exciting. That, that, that's powerful stuff. Um, how does this technology impact the whole
0: GMO debate?
1: Well, it's going to change the GMO debate a little bit. There's still a lot of controversy in this area. Typically, if you look at CRISPR technology, there are a number of other of these. There's one called Talon that's out there, and zinc finger modifications or nucleases that do the same thing. But when you do this, you can go very specifically to a site in the DNA and make your changes. You're not introducing any new DNA, so it is no longer a Combination of DNA from two animals or transgenic, it is in fact just maintaining one type of DNA. As a result, it's not necessarily a traceable activity. So. Theoretically you could actually do a CRISPR transformation uh, of uh, a particular gene, and you would not know that it was any different than the natural mutation process. The only thing is is you've directed that very specifically to a very specific gene and a very specific chromosome in that animal.
0: Getting genetically modified crops approved for use is complex and expensive, and most of the crops that have been modified are large commodity crops, corn, soybeans. Could the ease and low cost make ge- uh, genome editing a
1: viable option for smaller specialty crops as well as animals? I think it could. There's going to still be an economic barrier there, I'm sure, uh, uh, whether you can do it economically. But it is a very rapid way. Uh, this type of technology is not that complex. And and in in one presentation I heard the other day about this, they were talking about, This is something that some people could do in their basement someday. So it's not that complex to to take over. So, yes, it may in the long run be a technique that is used to do that very rapidly in smaller crops, uh, different organisms, uh, uh, even fungi and things like that that we use for food manufacturing.
0: The implications of this science are pretty profound, he uh, may be possibly a little scary. What about worries that the field's breakneck pace is leaving little time to talk about ethical and safety concerns?
1: Oh, I'm sure that that is, and and just about every time you talk about CRISPR, that type of information comes up or that kind of discussion comes up. Uh, yes, it is a little bit scary. Uh, if you think about some of the potentials of these uh, things, one of the areas that we'll talk a little bit about uh, to, tomorrow in, in our gene uh, editing uh, presentation relative to mosquito control uh we have gene editing capability right now that will develop what's called a gene drive. And a gene drive will actually make it so a specific gene is always transmitted to the offspring. So if you think about the possibilities there of of transmitting a, a, a lethal gene to a mosquito, for example— it's possible to think about with these gene drive to actually cause the extinction of that species. Uh, That is not a long time off either. You could actually do that very uh, easily and change the ecology of the system completely. Uh, It's nice that we want to get rid of mosquitoes and we don't have to swat them anymore, but the activity here says, yeah, you could do that. But What happens to the rest of the ecology if that happens?
0: Well, let's take this opportunity to turn to your work on the Zika virus, if we could, if you could bring us up to date where you are.
1: Well, this is more of a, a, a an insect control concept that we're working on right now. And, and quite frankly, the Zika virus, in, in our case, is used as an example of what might be done in insect control. Our goal is really to look more at some of the other insects, for example, fly problems in, in livestock industry today, face flies and horn flies and things like, that. But the Zika virus gives us an opportunity to see what can happen with the mosquito population. Uh, It is probably more developed in terms of population control than any other uh, insect population. Uh, Zika has allowed us to put a lot of emphasis on that today. So there are a number of techniques that are being used to control mosquitoes using uh, uh, both uh, molecular tools such as gene editing, as well as particular bacterial control systems that that will help eliminate the uh, carrier or vectors for these diseases.
0: And does that steer us away from
1: chemicals? Absolutely. The whole idea of this, if you look at mosquito control today, uh, one of our big limitations is the development of resistance to pesticides. Uh, there are mosquitoes today that are extremely resistant. It takes uh, 5, 10, 15 times more uh, insecticide to kill the same mosquito that was killed uh, 20, 30 years ago. So it is changing very dramatically. Uh, the idea here would be to move away from more to more natural control mechanisms or uh, more sophisticated and more efficient control mechanisms.
0: What uh, ag tech trends are you watching these days? Which ones really excite you?
1: Oh, boy, I, I think the... The things that are going on, uh, one of the areas we talked about today was as a program nutrition and the idea of, of programming animals uh, to get very specific responses, whether it's uh, in, in immune response or growth efficiency or better reproduction. Uh, one of the tools we have to do that today is the use of appropriate nutrients and very specific times of animal life, an animal's life. Uh, programming young animals to be resistant to disease or programming animals to be uh, use a lot less minerals in their diets. Those are things that are, are very exciting because they're changing the paradigm of what we used to think was common nutrition. We no longer just think about what is the diet composition or the nutrient composition of a diet. We start thinking about, well, how do we strategically use that nutrient component to change what the animal is doing throughout its life? Those same concepts are being used to improve uh, meat quality and product quality from livestock or even plant quality. We can use that nutritional approach to do those types of things. So I think that's one of the most exciting things that we, we've worked on recently. Uh, technology is moving so fast in, in the agricultural field today. I'd be at a loss to say I know what are going to be the, the best trends ever, but uh Those things that have to do with with nutrition are are going to be very important to us in the future. I think gene editing in some form or another is going to be a very important area for us to think about in the future. Uh, It's not going to be in the traditional ways we think about it. But if you think about the barriers, uh, for example, right now, there is no genetically modified livestock that are being used in food production today. Uh, part of that is the fear of, of what recombinant DNA really looks like, but some of it is not the a lack of understanding of what some of these molecular changes are. Uh, there are cattle that have been developed in China recently. They're totally resistant to tuberculosis. Uh that was the result of the gene editing, the PERS virus in uh, pigs. We have genetically modified animals or used a CRISPR type technology, gene editing technology, to make them resistant or uh, pigs resistant to the PERS virus. So those things are are happening, whether those will be accepted or not. That's probably outside of my area of expertise. But the technology is there, and it's going to change. So uh, we've got to get ready for for that type of technology.
0: I have to believe you must spend a lot of your time fascinated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's (laughs) lots to do.
0: What would you say? What's uh, the most interesting part of your your work?
1: Oh, uh, I've been doing this for quite a few years now, and and I think probably the neatest thing that I have to do, and it's probably not necessarily the science base, it's the... Uh, ability of the younger people we're producing in science today to come up with innovative ideas. I was involved with the Young Animal Scientist uh, competition here. The brilliance of these young minds, it, it just always blows me away and it's something I'd like to be involved with. Maybe it's not a real basic science, but it's that educational process that leads to that innovation that I get excited about.
0: Dr. Carl Dawson, Vice President and Chief Scientific Officer at Alltech, and we thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To hear other conversations with many of the featured speakers at one, the Alltech Ideas Conference, visit ideas.alltech.com. Access is free after signing up. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture.